Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Rebecca Miller. Rebecca is a registered dietitian and personal trainer who loves all things wellness and fitness. She is a mama of an 18-month-old baby girl and is passionate about helping other moms learn to prioritize their health during this crazy season of life. Rebecca loves weightlifting, traveling, socializing, cooking, and hanging out with her family. In the episode, she discusses weight loss misconceptions, macro counting, her own postpartum challenges, and more. Enjoy! Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Of course. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's really fun to connect because we... I don't even know if you could say we met, but kind of. We met via social media, and I follow all your stuff. I love your videos. I send people to your page, and now it's almost as if I'm meeting a celebrity off of TikTok, right? It's <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know. TikTok's so hit or miss these days, but um, yeah, I just remember your stuff always coming up, and I was like, I like her tips, information. I want to hype this girl up, and I get a lot of value from your videos. Like I get ideas and stuff, so it's awesome that we can connect. I feel like in real life right now, it's as close as we can get right now. It's as close as we can get, and <laughs> I agree with you. TikTok is... I say the wild, wild west of social media. It's it's different than all the other platforms in its own special way. I know. And depending on the day, it can be awesome or awful. Right. Yeah, I, I have been kind of not on my TikTok game lately, but I'm making a comeback, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back. So we'll see where, what happens. Where are you mostly these days, social media? I'm actually on Facebook, I actually, which is wild because I started posting like reels to Facebook a year ago, back when reels were just starting. And I probably have my most engaged audience on Facebook. And I remember you saying this, I think we messaged about it or Mm -hmm. something. I, I still do not even understand Facebook. It's like, I have a personal account, but then I also have a business account. So I'm going to need to ask you how you do that because I don't even know how I would go about repost. Do you post your personal page or is it? Yeah. So I have it on my personal page and it's, I'm like a creator, but then I can separate my friends from my followers. So like if I have a post, sorry, followers (laughs) of like Violet (laughs) or my family, that's just like private because I like to keep my daughter more private. Um, but my mom and my family want to see her. I post it to friends only. 
Oh, interesting. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can kind of dictate which one goes where. So sorry, y'all not seeing Violet, but I just <laughs> I want to protect her. <laughs> that makes sense. So I think yeah. I totally respect that um, having yeah. a child because you never know these days what's going on. Just all the things I've seen, I've definitely been um, pulling it back for sure. Just, just bad things I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that fear completely. Would you let us know kind of a little bit about your background and what specifically led you to become a dietitian? Sure. So we got a, we got a long background. So I didn't even know I wanted to be a dietitian until I was in my second year of college. I don't know. I was in college for five years. It's a blur. I originally wanted to go into college for like fitness. I was always into fitness and working out. I was a swimmer growing up. And when I stopped swimming, I decided to go to the gym and I started lifting weights. And I was like, this is so fun. I want to be like a personal trainer. I don't know. I didn't know what that looked like. Okay. I just knew that I wanted to be in fitness. That was kind of where it started. And then having nutrition kind of to learn and just help people live a healthy life. And to be honest, I started off wanting to look good. Like that was where it came from is like, I want to look fit and I want to teach people how to look fit. And it's changed a little bit since then, but that was my main focus was that I want to get ripped and I want to teach people how to do it. And so I went into college like a kinesiology major and I wanted to do nutrition stuff. So I believe I minored in it or I tried to double. I don't even know, but I didn't know what I want to do. I just knew it was somewhere in the realm of wellness and health. And when I took my first nutrition class, there was a diet, the diet, uh, the teacher was a dietitian and I asked her some questions because I was really intrigued by what I was learning. It was just a very basic nutrition class. Like it wasn't anything crazy, but I was talking to her and I learned about how dietitians can like prescribe meal plans. And that if you want to be into more of the nutrition sphere, you really want to become a dietitian. And so that's when I actually changed my major to dietetics (laughs) because I was like, okay, that's what I want to do more so than well, I do want to be a personal trainer. I am a personal trainer, but I felt like that would have been a better career choice. And then being like a personal trainer, as well as a dietitian. And so I ended up trying to double major, which was a mistake because that was way too hard. And then I dropped kinesiology and went all in on dietetics um, in college. And so it kind of quickly turned into nutrition and learning all the things. And I'm really glad I talked to that, that teacher because I never even knew what a dietitian was until then, to be honest. I just thought, I don't know. It's, I didn't realize that was like a regulated profession. Um, if you will. And Yeah, I think that was really the big thing was just the beginnings of just being into fitness and wanting to look good to now wanting to like help people with their wellness and their health and more than looks like I still do have aesthetic goals. I'm not going to lie about that, but it looks different than it did back then. Mm -hmm. I love how you talk about that one teacher impacting you. I think it's so interesting how our paths are shaped by different people really who kind of influence us. And yeah, I, I have a similar college experience as you as really having no idea. I was a teacher originally mm-hmm. and I just thought, Oh, I should be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. I didn't really even know other jobs that existed. And I think it's weird now. There are so many tech jobs, for example, that didn't even exist when I was in college. Right. So I guess people who were coding back when I was in high school, it seemed kind of fringe, but now if you're a computer engineer, that's a huge asset, I guess. So it's so interesting how different jobs pop up or different jobs we don't even know exist, but eventually fall into a path, hopefully 
that is one we like that's fruitful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's wild what's out there and they're like now with social media being so huge, even more jobs and like different jobs, like quote unquote, I, well, I didn't, (laughs) but basically like I could consider myself doing influencer things too, you know, which is kind of weird to say, but I definitely make affiliate income. That's an influencer thing as well as doing my dietitian stuff. So I guess I'm a dietitian influencer. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this, but yeah. It's kind a of lot crazy. of a lot Never of things, imagined. a lot of pathways. Have you always had a private practice or did you work in a hospital setting or what did you mm-hmm. do originally? So I've worked in the hospital setting. So when I graduated from my, um, my internship, so to become a dietitian, you go through a dietetic internship. And I did that at the Michael E. DeBakey. E. DeBakey VA Medical Center in Houston. So I have a very heavy clinical background and it was a great opportunity. And then when I graduated, I actually went through the Baylor College of Medicine neonatal fellowship. So I actually have NICU experience as well, which is way different than what I do. But I wanted to do something like that because I struggled with getting a job at first. I don't know why I had an immaculate resume. So I think it was just, you know, where my path was leading me to what I do now. But I ended up trying to switch gears from adults to little babies. And that was a cool little experience. But then I ended up not really finding NICU jobs or there weren't really open. So I had the training with no experience to get. And then I finally got a job in a hospital setting outside of Houston. And I worked in the ICU and like general care. So just more of a little bit of everything. And then when COVID hit, like kind of around COVID, a little bit before like 2019, I started you know, kind of thinking about how I wanted to maybe see clients because I really liked the nutrition counseling side of dietetics. You know, I was in the ICU, I was doing the clinical stuff, but I didn't really feel fulfilled in that role. And I do really well with the coaching and the counseling aspect. So I actually hooked up with a gym in Houston that wanted to have a dietitian just kind of see a couple clients. And that really gave me the confidence to start my private practice at the kind of tail end of 2019. And then early 2020, I ended up getting laid off from my hospital job. I was actually a part-time dietitian there. So I never really worked full-time anywhere, but I was, you know, like four days a week and I got laid off and that was kind of the fuel to my fire to really jump in into my own practice. And Mm -hmm. so I've been practicing on my own since roughly 2019, took a break when I was pregnant and postpartum. And I'm actually just now getting back into taking clients again. I know you support people with fitness, nutrition, obviously, as you mentioned, health, wellness, and weight loss. I know that weight loss is also something that you support people with. I'd love if you could share, because I think a lot of listeners have their own weight loss struggles themselves. What are some of the biggest misconceptions you see surrounding weight loss? Likely on social media. I think there's a lot of misconceptions that are spread on social media. Oh gosh. Like how, like there's so many, but I think the biggest one that I have to break is the carbs are bad mindset, which not necessarily for some people, maybe, but most of the time it really, you know, we don't have to restrict so much or like you 
like when I've posted what I eat in a days, people will be like, oh my God, I can't believe you eat that much. There's no way you can lose weight doing that. So I think a big misconception is how many calories we actually can eat and lose weight because I think people have it drilled in their head. It needs to be like super little or it's not going to work. And so kind of knowing that you can actually eat more than you think, like obviously a calorie deficit, you have to eat quote unquote less, but 1800 calories, 1900 calories can still be less, but it seems so big to some people you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, everyone thinks it's something's magical about fasting or just whatever fad diets out there. That's like the new magic pill per se. And it's, it gets exhausting. <laughs> it, really, it really does. I think, you know, you mentioned when you post what you eat in a day, the comment section, especially on TikTok, can get pretty outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Facebook too. I've had people on Facebook and when I was breastfeeding my daughter, my, what I eat in a day is, and I shared that I'm a breastfeeding mama, I'm eating 2,700 calories. Like th- I'm showing because I want to normalize, like it's okay to eat more, but like that was my unique needs and my journey. And people would be like, how are you eating so much? I'm like, I literally said breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. I have to add 500 calories. Like I, you know, I'm heavier than I am. So I have more calories. I'm breastfeeding. I'm not anymore. So that's a whole different story. But, um, you know, just the misconceptions of like, oh my God, or even like 2000 calories, people will say like, there's no way you're losing weight doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's a big misconception for sure. Definitely. I think mm-hmm. you also post something, I could say the sky is blue. And then somebody would argue with me in the comments and say, no, it's great where I am. It's everybody thinks every piece of content should be tailored exactly to them. It's very kind of world. It is. And I, you know, I, I was thinking this to myself of posting like I literally had this in my head. So I'm going to give you the scenario of, cause I, the reason why I don't post what my daughter eats, because one, I'm not a dietitian for kids and I just, I'm not niching down to that. I more am kind of towards the era of like motherhood with my content and like the moms and the, the adults more so than their kiddos. But like you could literally show a cheese stick and so it'd be like, oh my God, that's, uh, that's not vegan. That's horrible. Or like the dates I give my daughter, I'm like, that's too many carbs. It's too much sugar. Like they, you could say something about every single thing. And mm-hmm. depending on what if you're a vegan side, if you're on keto, like you could say completely wild things from all ends. It's like, no matter what I would post, it wouldn't please everyone. And that's fine. But that was just a scenario I was laughing about in my head the other day that I thought I'd share. For sure. That's, that Those are her staple snacks, by the way. <laughs> Dates and they and sound delicious. Sticks. Yeah. Yeah. She loves them. They sound awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're great. There's also then the people who are in the grocery store aisles demonizing every single ingredient and in every single food. And it makes me sad because I'll post like, for, for example, I love pretzel crisps, those really flat pretzels mm-hmm. that come in the blue bag. So I love those. So I'll have some with a sandwich or something sometimes and somebody will comment, oh, I can't believe you eat those. Check out the ingredients, you know, they go down these rabbit holes of everything in any bag that's at all processed is bad. And then if you post it, people will say, Oh, I can't believe you're telling people to eat processed foods. It's like, you know, there can be this happy medium space where it's, yeah, you can have some processed foods. You can also have a lot of whole foods. You're not going to die from the salad dressing. I mean, it's, It's just wild. wild. It's wild. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. 
Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Like seed oils being like the big toxic thing right now. And I am just shaking my head. Like obviously we can all make better choices, right? Like we can make, you know, eating avocado, you know, olive oils and avocado oils. Sure. Okay. But is that realistic for everyone? Not all the time, you know? And when you're saying don't eat all these affordable foods that people only have access to, and you're telling them these expensive options to replace it, it's pretty disheartening. Like even myself, like I don't want to spend a ton of money on like what I'm eating all the time. You know, I want to eat healthy. I want to nourish my body and my daughter and my family, but I can't spend a fortune doing that. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not realistic. Right. When somebody is looking to ditch the fads, and the diets and the yo-yo or the roller coaster. There's so many terms to describe it. Sure. How does a sustainable weight loss journey look different than a history of dieting? So I think what I've just seen and what I teach and like what my following has said is that I like to change it to what can we add to our diet rather than what we can restrict. And I know you've taught on this principle as well. And people will say to me, like, it just clicked for me when it's more about, oh my gosh, I can eat more protein and more fiber and more phytonutrients and vegetables and fruits instead of, oh, I just can't have this, 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 and this. And when you're coming from an abundance mindset like this, it kind of whittles out the things that might not be as good in our diet diet, quote unquote, because you're adding so much of the good. Whereas if you come from a place of restriction, like fat dieting, all you're doing is just leaving yourself with nothing. And it's almost like you just scare yourself to death because you've probably done four different fad diets and every single food has been demonized in every single one. And so then you're left with like, what can I eat? Mm -hmm. And so when I see people who have success with the sustainability, it's like, there is no off limits. There's just foods that I'm going to eat more of mo most of the time. And it's more empowering when you make choices that way. Mm -hmm. It is pretty cool too, how when you come from this additive approach, just as you said, when you're eating a lot of protein and fiber and prioritizing those at meals, you're just not hungry. So it crowds yeah. out some of the other stuff that you may have been grabbing for in the past. And I think a lot of people feel shameful and bad that they're craving the chips or the crackers or whatever, but they might just be physically hungry. They're just right. not getting enough of the, the right nutrients or enough food, as you said. So there's nothing wrong with you. If you start adding in these things, you might be shocked that a lot of your cravings just disappear. Yes. And I, I always say that 
about 90% of the time, problems can be solved with eating enough protein. Obviously, there's lots more to your nutrition than just protein. There's so many good things, but normally, you know, we teach on protein so much because I truly believe that it will solve most of their problems. Mm -hmm. And I think clients tell me, I actually just topped up off a call before this. And I was asking what's going well right now with nutrition. And she said, honestly, protein, just the fact that I'm aware of other protein sources that aren't meat, or she thought just kind of like meat and eggs were her options. And so just opening up a whole new world. What are some of your favorite go to protein sources? So I'm a protein coffee girl. Mm. Um, <laughs> I I love my protein coffee. So obviously that's like a supplemental protein. So I try that to be my only supplement because I do believe in trying to get more of your protein from whole food sources if you can. But that is a worthy supplement for me. And I love my protein coffee. I literally froth up milk with a little bit of like vanilla protein powder and add it to espresso. And it's life-changing just if you don't listen to this, you need to try it. It's so good. <laughs> um, and then my some of my other favorites would probably be edamame. I really like – what am I thinking? I love eggs. I love eggs. I can eat eggs like breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'll make like the Kodiak cake waffles a mm. lot. And I'll do chicken and waffles with the Just Bear um, chicken tenders. Like I like to have fun when it comes to my nutrition. Like I'm not going to eat bland. I'm going to make it as fun as possible. So like chicken and waffles, I'll make little breakfast sandwiches, all sorts of stuff. And then I really like, um, like fajita type beef stuff. Hmm. When Those you say the protein coffee, cause I've never heard it described the way you do. I usually see people using a protein shake but those mm-hmm. can be off-putting to the aftertaste or whatever. I mean, there's only sure. a few that I kind of like the taste of. So you d- describe exactly how you do this. You get regular milk. Yeah. So I buy the, um, like the Mutopia, which is an H-E-B brand. I'm sorry if you're not in Texas, <laughs> but it's kind of similar to the Fairlife pro- like ultra filtered products mm-hmm. where it's like the same calories, but less sugar, higher in protein. So I'll do that. I'll do like a half cup or three fourths cup in my little, milk frother. And I have a, like a protein coffee playlist on my TikTok. So you could check it out (laughs) and I'll add the protein powder, like a third scoop. I don't do a full scoop. That's where people make mistakes there because it gets too clumpy, like a third scoop of protein powder of your flavor of choice. And then sometimes if I need a little bit extra sweetener, add like a a dash of creamer or something and I'll, it'll froth it and heat it up. And then I'll brew a, a double espresso and I'll add it together like a latte. And you don't taste the protein powder? I don't personally. But it comes down to just using like not using too much. Like a third scoop will get you eight grams still. Like that's incredible. So, you know, it's because a lot of people will be like, well, I tried it and it just became clumpy. It was too much. I'm like, well, it's because you tried a whole – you don't need a lot. You're already getting protein from your milk. Then it's just kind of like that little extra. Uh Uh-huh. No, that sounds great. I love that. I also love – I don't live in Texas, but the Fairlife – higher protein milk. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The H-E-B brand is the, it's like the Mutopia is the mm. H-E-B version of that. So I just, I love H-E-B. So I, I support them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never been to one, but I see a bunch of people posting on social media it. about that. And then Aldi is the other one. I see people. Yeah. Is that like the Trader Joe's? Is that the equivalent? <sighs> Aldi is different from Trader Joe's. Aldi's oh. a German grocery store. Um, is Trader Joe's German too? I have no Maybe. idea. 
They're different. Aldi is kind of like a budget grocery store where mm-hmm. I feel like Trader Joe's is not necessarily budget, but it's more of like a like designer kind of. Mm-hmm. Like they have fancy fun things at Trader Joe's. Like mm-hmm. I go to Trader Joe's to get fun things. Right. You mentioned protein. I'm curious, do you work on macro counting with your clients? So do you have them track protein, fat, and carbs? Or do you mainly focus on protein and you mentioned fiber? How do you kind of help them center or focus their nutrition around different macronutrients? Sure. So mostly I focus on protein and calories and then like five and I teach on fiber and then I just teach on just a healthy balance of carbs and fats. I always tell my clients, we're not bodybuilders getting on stage. We really don't need to worry about this. If you want to go on stage, I'm not the coach for you, but all I want is to make sure that we're getting sufficient protein. We're balancing the other macronutrients, just learning like what good sources of fats and carbs are, and then um, fiber, of course. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to, I'm a little bit more flexible, not that no one else isn't, but I like to, I tend to be more conservative, I if I may say so myself, just because of just most of the people that I see have just had a history of fad dieting. So I think I want to try to get you eating a little more conservatively and we can work our way down rather than just shooting for the lowest possible amount. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I start off really slow and getting them used to it and then build their protein up to where their ultimate goal is. And then looking at like a range rather than just a one set number. I have a client right now who worked with a previous coach, a macro coach, and she was tracking protein and carbs and fat and calories. Mm -hmm. And the coach wanted everything to kind of fit in perfectly. And I said, I don't even, I have no idea how I would even do that. (laughs) That sounds impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like a realistic thing for the, for most people. Like I'll look at the end of the day and kind of just see where my ratios are. And I'll kind of be like, Oh, that looks pretty good. But Unless like someone has insulin resistance, like if I have someone that has like diabetes, like I have some clients like that, or have some form of needing to be on a carbohydrate restricted diet, then I'll focus on the amount of carbs they need to eat. But if they have like a healthy, you know, glucose metabolism, all of that stuff, then I don't stress about it in comparison because we don't need to. And you're right. We're not, most of us are not training to be in a bodybuilding competition. And so they get very nuanced with their nutrition, which is great. That's their thing. That's what they're doing. But for the majority of us, it's too much. Yeah. I don't want to be shredded. Okay. And I don't think the, the majority of my followers want to be shredded either. I really just want to be like fit, toned and healthy and like relatively lean. I want to still enjoy my life, enjoy time with my family and live a flexible lifestyle. And if that means I got a little bit of extra cushion, then that's what it is. And I'm okay with that. Right. Since you have the training background as well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on cardio versus daily movement through something just like steps versus strength training. So I'm always going to push and promote strength training as like the priority or the focus. However, I understand that everyone has different preferences. So movement in general is going to come first. So if someone absolutely hates weightlifting, I'm still going to encourage them to do it just for the benefits of preventing osteoporosis, bone disease, all of those things as we age. But I want people moving in general. So if that means that cardio is what they're doing and that's what they love, we can get to weightlifting later. But in the ideal world, strength training first, 
cardio to supplement and, and to, um, cardio for your heart. Like obviously we need to be strengthening our heart muscles. So my personal, when I'm in a deficit in my cutting phase, I focus on strength training and then hitting my daily steps. And then when I really want to rev up fat loss, or if I want to kind of take it to the next level, I'll add in like one or two cardio sessions a week, um, depending on where I'm at. I'm not there yet. I'm kind of, I'm on, I'm a little more comfortable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But that's, you know, I think cardio, I call it like a supplement more so because strength training is where you can get those really good benefits for insulin resistance, becoming more insulin sensitive as well as healthy aging. And when you say daily steps, what do you aim for? What do you have your clients aim for? So it's, it's different per client. So I like to look at what they're already doing right now. So if they're only hitting 3000 steps, I'm not going to tell them to hit 10,000 tomorrow. I'll set a goal or we'll work on a goal together at about 4,000, 4,500, 5,000. And we build up from there. My personal step goals right now are about eight to 10,000. And I, you know, I, I worked up to that. And you have one of those walking pads, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I have a walking pad right here. I love it. Can you describe what that is? Yeah. So it's just basically a treadmill with no like stand on it. It doesn't incline. It's just a pad on the floor. You could press a button and it starts, you could just walk on it. And I have a desk. I know you can kind of see it, Brooke, I think right here. Yeah. Uh, And my desk is not tall enough, but sometimes like if I'm bored, like I'm working on the computer, I'll just put on my Netflix or Hulu and I'll walk and watch TV for a little bit as like a, a break. I do have a treadmill as well, but I like the the um, vibe in my office a little mm. bit more. Okay, so you don't even use it with a standing desk. You use it as kind of your work break. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for now, just because the I did buy a desk, but it's a little short. So I mostly use it just for like in between or watching TV. Like I'll put my, my iPad on there right, and kind of get a... That's smart. I've been looking into it. I have things saved in my Amazon list right yeah. now of different walking pads, but then I'm also very tall. So that is a challenge. I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. the desks aren't tall enough, but yeah. The, yeah. Mine is not tall enough to be able to work on, which I'm a little disappointed. Like obviously I could probably return it and get a new one, but I, I don't know. I might do that. We'll see. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. Also, I have clients who use them and some of them say it's a little tricky to do kind of emails or whatever work you're doing and walk at the same time because mm-hmm. it requires some coordination. I guess you could it get does. better at I it. Tried, <laughs> I tried to write notes while I was walking and it just was, it was rough. Right. <laughs> so getting to practice. <laughs> but I do think that's such a great solution. Also, if somebody lives in a very, a place that gets very cold in the winter, 
that's a huge struggle I talk with clients about in the winter of daily steps. And if you're inside mm-hmm. most of the day, maybe you're maybe you're not even commuting to the office. Or if you are, it's just from your car to the office building. If it's snowing a lot, a walking pad, I think, could be a great solution even for winter mm-hmm. months. Yeah. And especially where I live and, you know, we're um, those hotter months too. Mm, the hotter months. Yeah. Like on our hot girl walks, you know, or hot mom walks, <laughs> they got to be inside these days. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I didn't even think about that. The, the heat, any extreme temperatures, not ideal for yes. walking outside. Yes. It's so hot here in the summers. It's, it's miserable. <laughs> No, and I, I enjoy running. So I enjoy running for cardio. I'm actually going to run tonight. Like I get hmm. excited. So I'm upping my cardio. Okay. We're, we're starting, we're starting small. So I'm, but the thought of running outside in this heat just does not sound fun. Now we were talking cause you're in Houston. I grew up in Phoenix and growing up, I remember if you wanted to go for a run or a walk or whatever, it had to be basically at five or six in the morning. Yep. Because even still, at night, like yeah. And it doesn't cool down. Even when the sun goes down, it's still the residual heat from the day. I mean, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It's rough. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> After all of your years working in nutrition with weight loss exercise, is there anything you've changed your mind about? I've definitely changed my approach, I guess, when it comes to nutrition And fitness and all of that, I used to be so gung-ho on um, all or nothing in the past. And like, if you're not doing it, you're not doing it at all. And now I'm more relaxed, I guess. And But still, I wouldn't say I'm like relaxed to where like, okay, you didn't work out for like two weeks. Like, it's fine. You know, I think... Before I just really struggled myself with like, if I missed a workout, I thought it was the end of the world personally, because I came more from a fitness aspect first. And now I, I look at it differently and I think of it as more of like a priority rather than I have to do it. Um, it kind of a lot of mindset shifts around fitness and nutrition. And then when I became a mom, a lot of things changed for me too. Like, you know, really it's the mindset around nutrition. Whereas before it was like, get it done all the time, be strict, this and that, you know, you want to get shredded, you want to look good to now, like my time isn't the same anymore. I'm having to shift my priorities and it looks different. Like, obviously I'm still going to prioritize myself. I want to work on myself, but it's not to the same degree as how I used to think. Um, And I've definitely been more, open-minded around different ways of eating. So before, and again, I don't hate, I, I do not like diet culture, but I'm more open-minded about different ways of eating. Whereas before I would say, Oh, you're just cutting out carbs. You're an idiot. Like that's so dumb. Whereas like, okay, maybe it makes sense for them and it's sustainable for them. Like, I think I've become more open-minded around like intermittent fasting if it works and not just saying off the bat, no, don't do it. You're dumb. Mm -hmm. Or like if, you know, keto and just being more informed about it so that instead of being a, like dogging people for doing it, coming from a place of, okay, let's talk about it. Does this make sense? If that makes sense. Like I'm more open-minded about various ways of eating rather than before I was just kind of one, one and done. Like this is the way for everyone. And I think it's impossible. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's impossible to kind of keep those strict ideas that maybe Mm -hmm. we have bias towards ourselves when you start working with a bunch of people, 
because you see right. everybody's unique preferences and time constraints and likes and dislikes. Everybody's different. So right. I learned that myself of, you know, trying to impose what I believe is best or what works for me might not work for somebody else. And so when you are kind of like boots on the ground, working with people day in, day out, you learn, you kind of have to be flexible, especially with skipping a workout here and there, or, Mm -hmm. you know, things come up, life gets crazy. And it's good to have that space where you are supporting somebody and holding them accountable. But at the same time, realizing there are crazier weeks than others. It's just a fact of life. And something that like, just by my own personal experience with nutrition, um, like I, I was, I used to eat vegan like for a year and I like kind of got sucked into it almost, um, to the point where I thought like vegan is best. That's how you have to eat, you know, and I, I tend to get that way and I bring in my own biases and I am opening up to admitting that I do like, we do that sometimes. And I've learned like just with, you know, my own research and like, bettering my, you know, improving my practice as a dietitian is that it doesn't need to be that way. It actually, in my opinion, animal protein is a benefit to our health and just kind of developing a mindset of we can include all things into our diet rather than it need to be like the strict one way or the highway kind of living. And when I was vegan, it served a purpose for me because I had severe IBS and a lot of issues that it did help me with. And then I was able to kind of come out of it into a regular healthy balanced diet with less issues. So there was a purpose for it, but I did kind of get sucked into the, like the propaganda almost, mm-hmm. uh, with that. Yeah. There's extremes. And I'm not saying you're, yeah. And anyone who's vegan, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I just think that the way I was going about it was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. What would you say currently are some of your personal challenges when it comes to sustaining your own nutritious dietary pattern, your lifestyle, your fitness routine? I definitely motherhood and just, you know, my whole life is now revolved around another human. So that that has made it challenging for sure. It's not impossible, but it, it's just more challenging. And so just like, I'm working out after she goes to sleep at night. So I'm kind of having to move my schedule around to working out at times that I never really did before. Like I've definitely done a lot of eight o'clock workouts, um, which is not ideal, but Hey, I'm prioritizing this. It's important that I do it. So that's something that's been challenging. And honestly, like with postpartum specifically, and I know this isn't maybe a current challenge, but it ties in is that when I was breastfeeding, I just had such a crazy experience with postpartum depression and then breastfeeding and how hungry I was that I rapidly gained like 20 to 30 pounds like overnight. And for someone that's just a lot of weight to gain. And me being a dietitian and a trainer, it just really kind of messed me up mentally because I just felt like, and this is something I just need to get over. I just felt like, wow, I really suck at this job. Like, you know, I just like, I can't even get it together. You know, I'm like gaining weight and I'm still actively losing that weight from pregnancy because I feel, um, it was just a very challenging time and breastfeeding people don't talk about the hunger. Okay. I was literally so hungry. I could have easily eaten like 3,500, 4,000 calories a day easily. And it was making me be into a surf plus almost daily. Wow. Yeah. You're right. People don't talk about that. 
It's, it was like, I don't regret it because I did that for my daughter and I don't look back and think like, wow, I could have been skinny or whatever. Like, I don't even like to say that. Like, of course it, things would have been differently because the minute I lost weight or the minute I stopped breastfeeding, I've been able to kind of maintain weight loss at a steady pace. And so of course I like look back and I'm still kind of dealing with the mental struggles of just being different in my body and feeling like I don't fit in my clothes before. So that's just a personal struggle I'm working through. And while still giving out weight loss advice and kind of feeling like imposter syndrome almost. Um, but I'm documenting my weight loss journey. And I think that people enjoy seeing it from someone who has struggled because yeah, it's been a, it's been a mental battle for sure. I was going to say, if anything, it makes you more relatable. And I would think more people would gravitate towards you because nothing pisses me off more than these accounts who make everything seem super easy. Like you're going to jump for joy doing your workout or prepping your vegetables or whatever day in, day out. Right. That's not real life. The majority of us are normal people struggling with challenges through life. And yeah, a lot of times I say this often on here. I don't love going for a walk at the end of the day. I would be much happier just plopping on the couch and reading my book or watching a show on Same. Netflix. And so <laughs> I have to really put it into my calendar. I put literally walk every day. I schedule it in. I see right. that coming. I mentally prepare throughout the day. Brooke, you're going to go outside and go for your walk. You're not going to just go straight to your book. It's a daily challenge for me. It's not as yeah. hard maybe as it once was because it's become habitual, but I don't always want to go, even though I have a podcast or whatever, I, I don't always want to. Oh, I know. I, yeah. When I'm like with Violet all day or cause I, I kind of go back and forth between I work from home and then I'm a stay at home mom. So I kind of do both. And I think maybe that's why my brain ain't brain in these days. Cause I'm constantly <laughs> switching gears from being a stay at home mom to a work from home mom. And it's, it's literally every other day is, one or the other. And it's exhausting, like switching gears and like being full-time mom and full-time, you know, private practice content creator, influencer, if you will. And I'll get to the end of the night when she's in bed and I want to be eating ice cream on the couch, which we do sometimes. And that's okay. Cause me and Michael definitely had some Dairy Queen the other night and that was 100% worth it. And that's fine. But like most times it's like, okay, if I didn't get my workout in, I'm going to keep that promise that I made to myself. Cause I want to be strong. I have goals and it comes down to that discipline that we cultivate over time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's, I would argue it's not the easiest for anyone. I just don't think everybody talks about it. I think some people yeah. think it's going to tarnish their image if they are real about the struggle or they don't want to do the thing or they have the ice cream, I think that they perceive that their followers will not look up to them or something. But I, I think it's the opposite. I connect more with people like you who are honest about it and don't make right. everything look perfect day in, day out. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. Like I grew up eating fast food and drinking Cokes and like, that's just, you know, that's how I lived. And I can throw down on some Taco Bell, like Dairy Queen is my, is what dreams are made of. Like, like I, am, it's a constant struggle for me wanting to get, you know, eat all these things. And I'm not saying I limit myself or restrict myself to a crazy amount, but if I was to follow that lifestyle, it wouldn't be the most 
healthful lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so it is a constant putting myself in, okay, making healthy meals. That's why I do like chicken and waffles and fun things like that, because I love fast food. (laughs) Like I want to enjoy like that soul food idea, but I can healthify it in a way that makes sense for me. And it's such so much satisfaction. I love it. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to be eating things you enjoy. Yes. And yeah, fast food's really good. (laughs) I know. I tell people, I'm like, look, like I'm a trash panda sometimes. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, come on, you know, when people comment, they're like, aren't you a dietitian? Why aren't you eating healthy or whatever? Which I don't care about the comments, but it just blows my mind. I'm like, you realize like, I, I eat healthful foods because I know it makes me feel incredible and I've managed my diet over time, but like, I will not say no to like fried chicken. Okay. Like that's, that's a once in a while thing and it's okay. It is always funny too, when you are in this space where you coach people on nutrition and then people comment, there's kind of almost a magnifying glass up to what you're doing because people kind of want to know. And then if you eat the cupcake or the pizza or whatever, people who comment, oh my gosh, you're going to eat that? Are you sure? I mean, it's just, it's a weird space to live in. It's like, do you not read any of my content? I say that all foods should fit. You should enjoy pizza, have the cupcake, guilt-free, whatever, move on with life. I'm not all about restriction. And, you know, it's just funny. Sometimes people are still caught off guard when I eat something like that. I know. And like, I've even had people um, look through my Instagram and see what I, what I looked like before baby and like comment, like, girl, you blew up. What happened to you? And like, so, say, say stuff like that. Or like, call me, why are you a fat dietitian? I even got a comment the other day that's like a dietitian and trainer. Give me a break. Like oh, basically insinuating, like, why do you look like that? And like, okay, first of all, I know how I look like I'm very well aware of what I look like. And I'm very proud of the progress that I've made. And, um, I'm not going to stop giving my knowledge you know, and I'm not going to let that tear me down, but it, I won't lie when it says that they are hitting a sour point for me because I feel in the deep down crevices of my brain that, Oh, I'm a fraud. I shouldn't look like this. I need to be like, I used to think that I wanted to have a six pack abs and be super ripped. And that's just not realistic. Like even at my thinnest, I had stomach fat, like that's just my body type. And I'm never going to have shredded abs unless I go to extreme measures. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work for me. Well, right. There's a cost to that physique. And I think there are some creators who post about that, that, mm-hmm. you know, when I had this six pack, they'll show a picture and they'll say, when I had this six pack, I was the least healthy version of myself and the way I had to eat and the lengths I had to go to get that. It just wasn't a healthy situation. So yeah, it's not yeah. worth it. To me I'm personally. not. Yeah, I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm not going yeah. for a six pack. That's for sure. I, I really did train. Like I really had that in my mind that that's how I wanted to look for a long time. Hmm. I did. And that's what kind of what started me wanting to be a dietitian because I wanted to teach people how to get that look. And now in my phase of life and just learning more about nutrition and metabolism and all of those things, I realized that that is not worth it to me, that that is not what I actually want at all. Right. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I could honestly chat for another hour, but I know. One, of the, <laughs> one of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it make to, what does it mean to make the health investment? 
for me, making the health investment is showing up for you and putting yourself first and kind of speaking to the moms out there. Okay. If you're a mom and you're listening to this, the health investment is taking care of you so you can take care of your kiddos. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've learned throughout my journey of motherhood. And this can mean anybody, like, even if you're not a mom, you're a dog mom, whatever. Okay. Or a dog dad or a dad. that you deserve to show up for yourself and you deserve to put yourself first. If you're a mom, it's okay. We could put ourselves second. I get it, but not last. Okay. And for me, it's showing my daughter what a healthy lifestyle looks like, bringing her to the gym, you know, eating healthy most of the time and making myself a priority, even when my life is crazy. And that is what the health investment means to me. Hmm. Well, we've kind of, mentioned, well, we, we've definitely mentioned social media, but where can listeners follow and find you? Yeah. So I'm on Facebook with just my first and last name, Rebecca Miller. And you'll be able to see if you follow me on Facebook, my free Facebook community and this with Bex. That's an awesome, just healthy lifestyle community. I do little healthy habits challenges and what we can add to our life to help us build a healthier lifestyle. And then on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at living my Bex life. Love it. I will. I love that. Uh, handle by the way, it's creative. Thank you. <laughs> I have a website coming out soon. So oh, you do. That's the logo. Yes. I'm, oh, that's I'm great. Excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I will put links to all of those places in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for being here, Rebecca. Thanks so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom with my audience. And I look forward, as I'm sure we all do, to staying connected off air. Yes. Thank you so much, Brooke. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.